as we bow our heads for prayer, I want you to remember that today we are giving birth. Remember what that means? Renewal Church, our church plant is uh, in just a few minutes, will have their first worship service, their launch service, and we are anticipating a great day. So please be praying for Matthew and the Renewal Church as uh, they begin this morning, and we anticipate with great eagerness hearing all that God will do in their midst this very day. If you heard the news this morning, then you are aware of the bombing of three churches and uh, three hotels in Sri Lanka, and the death toll is now well in excess of 200 with hundreds hospitalized and badly injured. And so the suffering church continues, and our prayers, our hearts go out to the people of Sri Lanka, the believers in Sri Lanka today, and we pray that God will make himself known and comfort them and encourage them, and we pray for the church all over the world where the gospel is being proclaimed today, uh, that God will bless and move in a way that only he can do. So bow with me, please, for prayer. Father, our hearts are made heavy today as we heard the news of what happened in Sri Lanka. We grieve at the loss of life. We grieve at those who have been badly injured. We pray for healing for each of them. We pray for comfort for families who have lost loved ones. We pray for comfort and strength for the church in Sri Lanka and the church all over the world, particularly believers who are suffering wherever they may be today in many countries where they are persecuted. We pray that as the gospel is proclaimed today in Texas, in the United States, and on every continent, we pray that you'll be glorified and that people will come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord today. We thank you for the resurrection of our Savior. We thank you that because He lives, we may live also. Thank you that in Jesus our sin is forgiven. We have the gift of eternal life. We have the promise of your strength here in times of distress. We know that you will see us through whatever we may experience. And Father, we also know that because He lives we will one day be reunited with those that we love who have gone before us. We will gather with them before the throne and we will sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are a grateful people. We love you. We worship you. We adore you this morning in the beautiful, powerful name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And it wouldn't be Easter if I didn't start the message this way. Christ is risen. risen Christ is risen. risen Amen. The shock of Friday turned to the numbness of Saturday. Friday brought the horror of Jesus' crucifixion. Saturday is a day to process to hide in fear, a day of hopeless despair, the dreams and hopes of the last three years spent with Jesus have been crushed, 
And there is not one scintilla of biblical evidence that any of the disciples expected to see Jesus alive again in spite of the fact that he had said at least six times in the Gospel of Matthew alone, I will rise again. It simply was too overwhelming to possibly be true. But we read today from Matthew's Gospel, the 27th chapter, beginning with verse 62 and going into the next chapter. May I ask you once again to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. If you do not have a Bible, the words are on the screen or there are Bibles in the Purex in front of you. Matthew 27, beginning with 62. The next day, that's Saturday, the one after preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has arisen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you were to say his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. That is the day of the writing of the gospel. You may be seated. Saturday, then Sunday. I want to leave with you four thoughts from this text. And the first is this. Unreal unbelief. Unreal unbelief. Believers, we must know, understand, live, and proclaim what Jesus has done. It is imperative in the culture in which we live in 2019. God brought people with sin into a kingdom, into a, a, a kingdom 
through Christ crucified and risen again. Jesus took the most ugly, wicked, defiled, evil, corrupt, rebellious, and hideous sins in all creation, our addictions, our idolatries, our vain ambitions, our lies, our deceit, our greed, our self-righteousness, and He descended into the hell of God-forsakenness on the cross, the place of punishment for our sins, and He rose again for our justification, for our salvation. Notice in the text, notice human sin sandwiches the good news of the resurrection, which is found in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 28. But notice the top piece of bread in verses 62 through 66. And then notice the bottom piece of bread in the sandwich in verses 11 through 15. And notice how human sin sandwiches the truth of the gospel, the unreal unbelief of the religious leaders. It's Saturday. It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath for the Jewish people, but not just any Sabbath. It is the Passover Sabbath. Where are they? The religious leaders. Where are they? They're before Pilate. Pagan Roman governor. Why are they there? Why are they not in synagogues? Why are they not at home with their family? And they say to him, Sir. And they use the word Kyrie, which translated means a submissive, respectful title used in Matthew's gospel all the way to this point to mean Lord and use exclusively of Jesus or God. And do you see the irony? The religious leaders, the highly trained religious educated leaders, do you see the irony? The disciples call Jesus Lord while these religious leaders are calling Pilate Lord. And in John's Gospel, the 19th chapter and the 15th verse, these religious leaders said to Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. Can you see the incredible, unreal unbelief? So unbelievable, they are worried that the disciples would steal the body of Jesus and then claim He's alive. Really? Where are the disciples? They're hardly assaulting the tomb with swords and spears. They're hiding. The disciples are in hiding. And there is no expectation on the part of any of them that they're going to see Jesus again, even though He repeatedly said, I will rise again. The religious leaders take His talk of a resurrection more seriously than His disciples. They are really worried that Jesus might really... Really? Yes, really, they are worried that Jesus might really do what He said He would do. 
They know the miracles that he did. They are very well aware of the raising of Lazarus from the dead by, by Jesus. So if Jesus is really who he claims to be, do you really think that a seal on a stone and a heavy stone and the weight of the stone and a few Roman guards are going to hold him back? Do you see the unbelievable unbelief? They will soon know their security measures don't work. It happened. He arose. And in verse 11 through 15, we see the other side of the sandwich of their, of their unbelief, of their, their sin in their response. And their response is money pay off the Roman guards. Tell them, guys, don't say anything. We'll spread the story that you guys went to sleep and the disciples stole the body. Really? Like, who do they think is going to believe that? But that's their story in their unbelievable unbelief. And what they don't yet realize is that their security measures and their hush money only add to the validity of Jesus' resurrection. Now, there's a second thing that I want you to notice in this text, and that is ironic irony. Ironic irony. How could the guards know, think about it, how could the guards know who stole the body if they were asleep? But that's the story that we're going to tell, and we're going to stick with it. They, They were asleep, but we know the disciples stole the body. If Jesus died and was buried and did not rise from the dead, then why did someone not find the body and simply say, there he is, and all of this would be at an end? Well, it's because there is no body in a tomb. He has risen from the grave. If the disciples really stole the body and made up the story, what was their motive? Uh, Money? Hardly. The disciples were poor, and Rome and the religious leaders conspired to keep them poor until at least the 3rd or 4th century. And the disciples were clearly cowards. They ran. They hid. They denied. They were scared to death. So in high irony, we are supposed to believe that they stole the body and that they hid it. And then, and then claimed that he lives and then themselves suffered, were tortured, were beaten, were jailed and ultimately all painfully martyred in, except for John, in gruesome fashion for something they knew was not true. Come on now. The truth of the matter is it happened just like the gospel said it did. He is risen. Furthermore, how do you explain that he appeared, not just to the disciples, but to well over 500 people over the days before his ascension back to the right hand of the Father? And the church has been built on Jesus crucified and risen. And then we celebrate the changes, the radical changes in millions of lives, including Yours.
You've been changed by Jesus? Absolutely. I look around and I know some of you really have been changed by Jesus. I mean a radical change. And it speaks to the power of a risen Savior. And so in the text we see the ironic irony, but then the third thing we see is incredible truth. That's verses 1 through 10. Incredible truth. An earthquake, an angel, witnesses. Matthew uses eyewitness testimony. George Eldon Ladd's a great theologian, and he wrote these words considering, considering the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. He said there's an inner quality of the gospel so that when we read it with open hearts, we know it is true. And we read the gospel of Matthew, it makes sense. We know it's true. It explains what changed cowards to lions. For instance, Peter. Remember him? He denied Jesus. Who was he afraid of? There were two little girls warming their hands by the fire. And they said, you're one of his followers. No, I'm not. And he cursed. And then they said, yeah, you're one of, no. And the third time, no. Afraid of those girls. And, and, And he denied knowing Jesus and he cursed and he ran away and he hid. Well, what happened to change him? Because 40 days later, we find Peter preaching in the midst of Jerusalem before a less than receptive audience in some instances in regard to the religious leaders. And here's what he says. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, 3,000 in one day were added to their number. What happened to Peter? What happened to the man who was a coward who ran and hid and cursed and said, I don't even know the man. What happened to him? I'll tell you what happened to him. He saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. His life was changed. You and I who have seen with our hearts the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, have been changed. We aren't who we used to be. We've been changed from the inside out. The resurrection explains it. The stone was huge, rolled away by the angel. Remember, stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out, but to let the ladies, the disciples in. And and by the way, if you were going to make up a story, if the disciples were going to get together and let's, let's make up a story, what, what, for what reason, I don't know, but let's just say, okay, we're going to make it a, this is first century. They would not have had women be the first to see the risen Savior. 
Now, why not? Well, in the first century, women's witness and testimony was invalid, not accepted. It, it was a man-dominated world. Women were often mistreated. Now, that's going to change because of Jesus. But if they're concocting the story, they wouldn't have had women being the first to see Jesus. They'd have men being the first to see Jesus. So let me tell you, nobody made this up. It is real. It is true. He is risen. Jesus is risen indeed. Now, I love the angel. I call the angel the explainer. I'm going to put a title for the angel. Angel explainer. I don't know which angel this was, but angel explainer. And think what a privilege given to this angel. I get to be the one to tell. He did three things. The angel said, fear not. Come see, go tell. That's a great sermon, by the way. You know, three-point sermon. The the angel explained, fear not, come see, go tell. Fear not, come see, go tell. That's it. That's our faith. All wrapped up. Fear not, come see, go tell. The soldiers, they're like dead men. It means they're passed out on the ground. That's what it means. Rugged, tough, strong men who could kill you in a second. And they're petrified and they're passed out on the ground. Verses 6 and 7 changed the world. Look at them again. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him now. I have told you. Raised from the dead, just as he said, six times in Matthew alone, and it happened. Now, here's the last of the four things that I want us to see in the text. Suddenly, Jesus. Suddenly, Jesus. Look look again at uh, the eighth verse. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples... Suddenly, Jesus met them. What a moment. They leave, it says, with fear and filled with joy, or that can be translated with fear and great joy. Some fear, but great joy. More joy than fear. Fear, but filled with joy. You know about that. You know what it means. There are lots of times in our lives that we're afraid, but filled with great joy. Uh, just to remind you, remember your wedding day, remember the birth of your first child, remember your graduation from, from school. Fear, but filled with joy. They are fearful, but filled with joy. And Jesus appears first to the ladies. And there's a cheerful earthiness to what he says. Greetings, greetings. Hello. Good morning. It's amazing. Just. It's Jesus. Good morning. Greetings. Hello. How are you? You know, he didn't say, how are you? But greeting. I I just absolutely love the very natural way in which Jesus greets the ladies. What do they do? (laughs) They go to the ground and, and they grab his feet in humble exaltation and worship and adoration they never expected this to happen. And so they're clasping, grasping his feet. Jesus is not a ghost. He has feet. 
And they hold on. Christianity's always been about, about the flesh, beginning with, with God in the flesh, a baby born in Bethlehem, and, and now a savior with feet resurrected from the dead. It's true. Will you believe and receive? Or will you stubbornly refuse? As the religious leaders did. If he did not rise from the dead, then our being here this morning is really kind of silly. But if he did arise from the grave, just as the young lady on the screen said a little while ago, if he did arise from the grave, then that's the single most important event in all of history. And that means we can't be anywhere else but here on the Lord's day. He's changed you. He's changed me. And he will change all who believe. Saturday, then Sunday, Christ is risen. Amen and amen. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. In a moment, Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of a song of praise and a song of invitation. On this glorious Easter Sunday morning, 2019, there may be at least one person or there may be many in this room who have not yet followed Jesus. And this morning, the Spirit of the living God is wooing and drawing and calling and saying to you, trust me as your Savior and Lord, invite me into your life. I'll change you from the inside out. I'll give you the gift of eternal life. I'll forgive your sins. Take me as your Savior today. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And so in a moment when we stand and sing, will you leave your seat, come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's Word and share with you. And on Easter Sunday morning, 2019, you can become a follower of the living, risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For those of us who've already made that decision, we celebrate and we rejoice in prayer and in song this morning. We indeed are a grateful people. Now let's be sure that we go and tell. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. Draw someone to yourself this morning that he or she might come into a personal saving relationship with you through Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and as we sing.